This is Machine Language, the podcast hosted by Manufacturing Automation Magazine. You've tuned in to hear conversations with industry experts on the latest industrial automation technologies and trends in Canada's manufacturing sector. Hello, and welcome to Machine Language, our new podcast on industrial automation. I'm your host, Christina Urquhart, editor of Manufacturing Automation Magazine. In this series, we will be talking to automation professionals about topics such as Industry 4.0, robotics, motion control, artificial intelligence, sensors, and machine safety. For the past two months, Canada's manufacturing sector has been put to the test as COVID-19 lockdowns forced all but the most essential workers into their homes. Those that have remained on our factory floors have rallied to not only keep the flow of goods moving, but to even, at times, overhaul their production lines to make critical supplies needed to protect frontline healthcare workers against exposure to the coronavirus. Some of our smaller shops have had to temporarily close or lay off staff as we wait for restrictions to lift. Today, I'm joined remotely by Mike Bilton, chair of the Canadian Association of Moldmakers, also known as CAM, and Shelley Fellows, chair of CAM's sister association, Automate Canada. You might know Mike from his other roles as member of board of directors for the Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association, APMA, and as technical sales manager at Windsor Moulds. Shelley recently retired from her longtime role in operations and communications at AIS Technologies Group, formerly Radix, and is focusing on growing the Automate Canada Association. Along with their counterparts at the APMA, Mike and Shelley have been taking the pulse of the industry through weekly surveys that evaluate how COVID-19 is affecting the business operations of their members. We are going to talk about that today, as well as what lies ahead for the industry. Hi, Shelley and Mike. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. So the Canadian Association of Mold Makers launched its industrial automation arm, Automate Canada, in early 2019. Can you tell us a bit about how that got started and how CAM, Automate Canada, and the Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association are working together? We'll start uh, with CAM, Free to Well Self-Explanatory, a not-for-profit association. We represent a member base of companies that uh, mainly focus on the production of plastic injection molds and tooling. If we rewind the clocks a little bit and go back to the influence and the presence of the automotive industry here in Windsor, there was a concentration of really highly skilled trades that were spawned from that. Tool and mold was definitely one of them. So it's definitely a footprint here in Windsor-Essex. Kim's position over the years has been mainly to act as a a catalyst association to really connect our member companies to business opportunities around the globe, especially lately. I would say over the last five to 10 years for sure. But really we're in the business of fostering their best interest as it always has been and it's going to continue to be uh, the main mission of our association. So I'm pretty proud to represent them. The idea of creating Automate Canada really came from a conversation between myself and uh, our former chair, John Azapardi. We were coming down the 401 from Toronto. Uh, it was after a roundtable discussion with the government. With industrial automation being such a large component of the automotive sector and, and industry as a whole throughout the supply chain, I thought, wouldn't it be a, a perfect compliment to bring in automation and technology companies to complete uh, the vertical in the supply chain? Cam, especially over the years, mainly focused on the tier two supplier um, and, and being founded here in Windsor-Essex, a lot of that was flavored around the automotive business. So, of course, the conversations with the OEM uh, and at the OEM level, uh, downstream to the tier three and four supplier level, these three associations now, I mean, between APMA, Cam and Automate Canada, we really cover the full supply chain from top to bottom. Uh, the distinction of relationship with companies under this umbrella Um, satisfies the customer supplier needs of the supply base, both uh, up and down. 
the supply chain and the activity within being so just in time and you know firing on all cylinders disruption can on a, on a small level can sometimes lead to a large disruption as a whole but the resiliency and the the understanding of supply uh, and how we can uh, get to those types of suppliers with ease of access is right at our fingertips covering that uh, that automotive space being such a large part of our of our product here in Ontario it's great to have it covered with these associations and and automate Canada uh, it's not just about automotive I mean automotive is a certain breed but automation takes form in agriculture in medical in you name it, if one little part has to be assembled to another or moved from one location to the other, uh, automation brings it all together. So, We've been working every day. There's been a meeting every morning at 7.30 to talk about you know, what happened yesterday, what the issues of today are, what our next steps are going to be, because we're trying really hard as associations to look at the current, what's happening right now, what's going to happen in the next 90 days, and then even longer term, how are we going to make sure that we ensure a healthy, thriving, sustainable Canadian industrial automation sector, mold making sector, because they're so critical to a healthy, sustainable Canadian manufacturing sector. You're all working together to send out these weekly surveys to membership to gauge the impacts of COVID-19 on the sector. So what are some of the biggest trends that you've Mm -hmm. noticed after the last eight weeks? Early on, the trends, they really bounced around employee-employer engagement, the language around voluntary layoffs and project deliverables, etc. These things really shifted about those first couple of weeks. After week four or five, having been keeping an eye on the with what the federal and the provincial governments were preparing to deploy in funding streams, we knew that the conversation around cash flow and in general financial health would become the, a focal point of challenge, right? One of those statistics, one of those uh, questions, showed us a really dramatic initial response to the crisis, and that was the number for temporary layoffs. In the first couple of weeks, it was close to a thousand people each week who were being added to temporary layoff. And then in week three, it tripled 3,000 employees. And when you think that we've got, on average, between 60 to 100 respondents to our survey each week, which you know isn't a huge number, statisticians would like to see us up at 200, But from a point of view of an industry snapshot, we're hearing from between 10 to 20% of the mold, tool, dye, and industrial automation sector in Ontario, which isn't too bad. So what it said to us is our workplaces, our companies took early action and needed to in order to preserve you know those important things like cash flow and working capital for the companies while at the same time still being able to deliver to their customers because everybody had ongoing projects when you think that the manufacturing facilities closed down shut their doors right no production happening there's still work that has to be done i mean mold makers are working way ahead of the production curve industrial automation companies not quite as far ahead for some of us but we had projects to deliver and in fact some of our companies are even reporting an increase in business the ones who are offering some of the more advanced technologies uh, remote monitoring some of the iot solutions the wise manufacturers are seeing this as an opportunity. 
So obviously finances are a big trend in the survey. What are some of the other uh, major concerns that have been brought forth by the membership? I mean, as far as challenges goes, we've seen companies are really trying to find that sweet spot and have over the last four or five, six weeks of trying to do the right thing because of everything we're seeing on TV and we're hearing on the radio and about what's happening um, uh, within manufacturing and within all businesses for that matter. Trying to find a healthy balance of reopening when the time is right uh, being able to sustain yourself financially through the toughest of the times, which you know it can vary from two weeks to two months, and may continue to. I, we don't know the answer to that just yet, but uh, certainly the the blind spot has been: uh, what do we do in the meantime? How much money do we have in the bank, and do we do any hiring? And you combine that with new projects or projects being delivered, and trying to invoice out for companies uh, and customers. There's a lot of there's a lot of static out there. There's a lot of maneuvering that needs to be done. I think the takeaway from all of it is it's going to be a huge lessons learned in, on all facets here uh, as we pull out of this. Hopefully we're all getting back to work soon. Automotive manufacturers are going to be restarting their factories over the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're recording this in early May, but it seems like there may be some smaller manufacturers and in turn our industrial automation companies and machine builders who are looking to get back to more full operations if they're already operating. Mm-hmm. So what would you say, Shelley, should these companies be aware of with regard to employee health and safety as they're preparing to get back to work? With this new challenge in our workplaces, we have to be extra diligent. And, you know, the province has released some uh, guidelines and recommendations for safe work practices and appropriate planning for employees returning into the workplace. And then there's been a whole lot of other information that's been circulated, some by the private sector, some by the public sector. And it's really quite challenging to wade through all that, look at your business and decide how you can lay in best practices with what makes sense for your business, your employees, and what you have to supply to your customers. So for automation companies, we've got our own workplaces and those are things that we can control. We can decide what kind of, you know, safe work practices we want to put in place. And it's ranging from certainly um, personal protective equipment, things like masks and gloves, to cleaning protocols, to scheduling of lunch breaks, closing of certain entrances. So you're restricting access to very specific ways in the buildings, using temperature scanning to make sure that no one is reporting to work with any kind of condition that could infect their co-workers. So we have the workplaces we can control. And then we have our customers' workplaces because most of the industrial automation companies are working at manufacturing facilities. The nature of our products and services is that we're delivering them to manufacturers. So now we have workplaces that we can't control, and yet we have to send our employees out. So it's not only informing and planning and communicating about our own workplaces, it's understanding what's going on at our customers, what kind of protocols and policies we have to comply with. What are some of the positive things that have been coming out of this for companies, according to those surveys? Some examples, uh, adoption of new technologies, um, improved collaboration. I mean, all these things are all positive stories. I mean, I've been very open in the public, kind of bragging about the high skill level and the the creativity that comes along with, uh, with it amongst our member companies, but certainly very proud of our sector and showing the resiliency and flexibility and open mindedness, basically the overall strength of character as a whole. I mean, there's a certain level of resiliency that this area's MTDM uh, sector continues to show through the tough times and, and has over the, the decades past. 
whether it's been the ability of a company to pivot to a different type of commodity, for example, medical supplies, or to a company's realistic approach to quickly identifying that they're not equipped or capable to do so. Like I said, that shows real maturity and strength. I'm certainly very proud to represent uh, uh, that strong community of companies who share the same struggles and, and little victories all along the way. This has made us all very aware that we operate as part of a team. And without that team, and that team consists in a business of everyone from the accounting department to the marketing department to engineering to machine build to purchasing and shipping and receiving and everything in between, we can't do what we do if we're not functioning effectively as a team. And uh, as well, it's also made it, it's forced companies to be very proactive in their communication with their employees. When you're faced with a lot of uncertainty, one of the first things that you want to do in a crisis is make sure that you've got a good communication plan, a good communication pipeline. Companies, as as an outcome of looking at their practices, you know, again, everything from PPE to sanitation to workflow, they're also looking at, you know, layouts of workstations, process improvements. And so as an outcome, health and safety in the workplace has improved. And then some of the things that I like to see, improved operational efficiency and increased investment in technology. And that's where a few minutes ago I started to say about, you know, the wise companies are looking at this as an opportunity to invest in some new technologies. And we're seeing that. So they are looking, the manufacturers who are completely down right now, as well as those of us, you know, within our industry, as we're seeing from our survey, are even saying that they're taking this opportunity to invest in some new technology. And that does not just mean Zoom for all the meetings that we've been having, but new technologies in terms of counting platforms, MRP platforms, technologies on their shop floor, better ways of managing time and, and reporting for payroll and collaboration within the team and, and all those kinds of things. So they're investing in technologies in our industrial automation workplaces. And then our customers are looking at this as an opportunity because think about it. You know, right now they're down. They're going to ramp up slowly. There's a lot of challenges around. I don't want to minimize the challenges that are around the ramp up of manufacturing, but this is also an opportunity to put some technologies in place and you can test them out as you're starting to ramp up. So you don't have that pressure. If you think about a company that's delivering a cell to a manufacturer and you're given a window that's 10 days at Christmas and 10 days, maybe three weeks in the summer where you've got to deliver this complex manufacturing cell, get it connected with the rest of the line, do all your testing, and it has to be running 100% in that very short time window and there's a lot at stake. So now we've still got a lot at stake, but we've got lower volumes and a lot more attention as we can test new equipment, new technologies that are being brought into the plant floor. So this really is an opportunity. Absolutely. So, I mean, one of the positives that I've seen is that retooling that's been happening with some of mm -hmm. our manufacturers making medical equipment. You talked a little bit about this in your previous answer, but maybe you can connect the dots on how industry 4.0 technologies are enabling that quick pivoting. Certainly some of the things that we've seen um, in terms of technologies being brought into play early, right off the bat, 3D printing and rapid prototyping. 
calls were going out or support for 3D printing probably as soon as the pandemic was declared and we started to see a public need for PPE in the health sector and 3D printing for the production of masks. And then the collaborative design that needed to go on behind the scenes using platforms where designers from different companies could collaborate on on design. So that happened really early. And then the sharing of information and applying data analysis to understand and model where some of the critical points were going to be the method of saying we can collect data, we can analyze that data, and then we can make some improvements to me is one of those core manufacturing principle, but using data that's being collected electronically in a number of different manners is, to me, an industry 4.0 method that is being used to help manage some of the shortages, some of the hotspots. Now, we know there's still problems with PPE, but the collaboration and the resources that are being mobilized to deal with that are pretty remarkable. We've also seen some companies pivot you know, quite dramatically going from automotive manufacturer to uh, face shield manufacturer in an amazingly short period of time, you know, going back to those benefits of collaboration and employee engagement, and then using some of the underlying know-how and technology to be able to produce is pretty remarkable. Like, it's pretty heartwarming to see that. And uh, it's also interesting to see what will happen when they sustain it for those who are going to sustain it and really take it and make it part of their business diversification strategy. It's one thing to take a section of your plant and repurpose it with some equipment and some ingenuity but then to actually make it part of your long-term strategy that's where i see automation and industry 4.0 technologies will have that important role to play companies seeking ways to maneuver efficiently into another product segment will most definitely need to review and embrace the positives that can come out of it uh, without question uh, remote working you know examples digital twinning machine learning robotic automation those are all positives uh, and are all for the, the greater good. But the currency to be adopted here, first and foremost, I think, is collaboration with other tech companies uh, and the willingness to invest where our business plan points to to get to that next level, I think, is awfully important. So certainly looking ahead, there's been blind spots that I think have been overcome in the past, not just through COVID, but I mean, even six, eight months prior. Uh, these things are really getting some traction. So it's it's nice to see that. So it sounds like you've said that implementation of automation is going to increase emerging from this pandemic. What about the smaller scale companies, SMEs, who may not be fully there yet in terms of thinking about Industry 4.0? Do you have any advice for them in terms of how they're going to be able to compete going forward? It's going to force large and small companies to really look at their processes we were talking about some of the changes that are being driven by a laser-like focus on health and safety in the workplace. And one thing to use as an example is the arrangement of workstations and how people can safely work together maintaining a distance, we call it that social distance, but really maintaining a safe distance from each other. So you're in that cone of safety. It used to be that, you know, most manufacturers had kind of a volume point where 
because of the cost and complexity of starting to introduce automation into their facility, there was a pretty high volume point where you had that cost benefit return on investment formula that the CFO said, okay, now I understand why you need this and, and let's go forward. So it was a very financially driven decision. Now we're going to have a workflow that's going to drive those decisions. And we're going to have challenges in terms of how we do business with our customers and our suppliers and how we can effectively react to changes in the market. So this has also been a big wake up call to say things can happen that can come right out of the blue, which is how this felt. Take your business, spin it around, and now you have to shake your head and go forward and figure out how to go forward effectively. Operations and manufacturing and sales and accounting are going to have to collaborate together to say where in our business can we put in technology that will help us be more resilient, will help us be able to act more quickly, will help us be able to understand the changes in our market and to be very flexible in our manufacturing while at the same time considering the health and safety of everyone under a completely new framework of health and safety requirements. Right off the bat, I can see adoption of collaborative robots being considered perhaps by manufacturers who had never thought of them before. So now you can have a collaborative robot working side by side with an employee in a way that certainly maintains health and safety, can maintain a flexible work process, allow the best parts of us as people in the workplace, all the decision-making and the skills and judgment calls and things that we do so very well that we almost take for granted. But when you work with robotics, you realize the shortcomings and how you have to work really hard to overcome those monitoring of the manufacturing floor and how we can understand early if there are going to be problems coming. We've talked about preventative maintenance and operational efficiency on equipment and how to monitor and deal with it early before it becomes a problem. That's going to be at issue for the plant floor. And then that's also going to be an issue for the automation companies who now are not going to be quite as willing to jump on a plane and fly to Vancouver to to deal with a problem, let alone fly down to Mexico to help get a technician's hands on equipment. They're going to want to employ some remote technologies for being able to do diagnostics and take actions to get the equipment back up and running. So are we going to see more virtual reality or augmented reality applications that are applied in order to facilitate remote service? That's going to have to happen as well. It'll be really interesting to see where everything ends up. And really, I don't think there is a specific ending point, much like this has shown us we're we're changing quite rapidly. And now some of those technologies that perhaps manufacturers were a little adverse to the risk of taking them on, now they really don't have a choice. They, they need to do it. They need to make it accessible. They need to invest in those technologies because if they don't, they will not be functioning any longer. I think the widening of, of a company's capability now has become front and center just naturally as a byproduct of all of this COVID activity. It's been pretty uh, interesting to see companies be able to take in specifications for 
you know, a widget or, or a, a small part, whatever it is, and say, well, look, if I can just apply this discipline in manufacturing principles, I can come up with a solution here relatively quickly. And, and automotive, as, as most of us all know, um, moves at lightning speed. So it, it's certainly reflective of how automotive suppliers and companies can react to a high pressure environment, especially when it comes to timing. I think it's really shown that collaboration is king at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and that's just it, right? Uh, to go back a little bit in time, it was often thought that, you know, I don't want to share my IP or I don't want to share my property or my trade secrets. And as we roll the machine forward 15, 20 years, uh, companies really are embracing the, the relationship side of things and the collaboration with other companies. Uh, examples of kind of cross-pollinating from automotive into companies uh, who create furniture or even into aviation. It's no secret, you know, car companies want to know uh, how Lazy Boy makes such a comfortable sofa chair. So they bring in that technology and they, they look for lessons learned and they embrace what they thought was once pie in the sky ideas. Now they're realizing, well, if I share a little with you, you can share a little back with me and we can combine our strengths and uh, create a one-two punch and go to the customer with a turnkey solution or a one-stop shop, so to speak. The collaboration throughout the pandemic has been quite impressive, as you've both said, and I know we're all looking forward to seeing more of it. Thank you both, Shelley and Mike, for your insights today, and stay safe. You too. Thank you. Stay well. The Canadian Association of Moldmakers and Automate Canada are located in Windsor, Ontario, but they both serve national memberships. You can find them online at cam.ca or automate.ca on Twitter at cmoldmakers or at Automate Canada, as well as on Facebook and LinkedIn. Find manufacturing automation online at automationmag.com, on Twitter at automationmag, or on LinkedIn by searching manufacturing automation. I'm your host, Christina Urquhart, and that's it for this episode of Machine Language. Mm-hmm.